Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. your sitter. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to nothing but net radio on the Dash Radio Network. It is 4 o'clock here in Denver on a bit of a gloomy day. Fall has officially arrived here in the Mile High City. And if you have not figured it out, the next hour on Nothing But Net is all about the Denver Nuggets. Joining me today, we do have one coast. It is Denver Sips writer Ryan Blackburn. He is not in gloomy Denver. He is out in South Carolina. Not sure if it's sunny or not out there, Ryan. Yeah, it's looking looking pretty sunny through the through the curtains right now. If you if you can't tell in my voice, Zach, I'm a I'm a little bit under the weather, so I haven't actually seen the light of day for a while. So I'm gonna <laughs> do my best to power through this. <laughs> We appreciate it. We appreciate it. I was uh, I was a little bit under the weather maybe two weeks ago when I had I had Mike Olson on, and um, we actually had to stop at one moment because I, I was literally uh, unable to speak anymore. My voice was pretty much shot. I had to at least get a glass of water, and then had to had to power through about like the last twenty minutes, um, sounding like I'd been smoking Marlboro Reds for the past thirty years. So it was as, as deep as Mike's rough. voice. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. You no, yours the same, is the same level. Yours is perfect, Brian. Yours has a uh, a rich, rich timber to it. Now that's that's all that's going on there. So oh, uh, glad to hear it. <laughs> we are, of course, not a podcast about various voice and voice acting. So we will get off that subject and let's roll through what we're going to talk about here on the Nuggets. It's officially preseason. We are we are in full swing. Last time we talked last week, we were previewing of the Lakers game right before it was about to happen. Nuggets have now actually played the Lakers twice. They uh, have also played the Perth Wildcats and now go back out on the road to play two more preseason games to uh, finish it up. Who did they got? They got what the Clippers and then is it like the Bulls or something? The like Bulls, that? yeah. yeah. So, um, Ryan, I guess let's start with those. Let's start with those Lakers games. Um, gosh, it almost it feels, it feels almost ages ago when that actually when they actually played them. But uh, 
I thought, you know, it was kind of, it was very interesting in the first, uh, in those first two games. In the first game, you had Wancho Hernan Gomez showing out. He was shooting lights out in that game. And then in the second game, you had Malik Beasley. Well, really all preseason pre long, but particularly in the second, uh, second half of that second game, Malik Beasley shot very well, pretty much was the, the nail in the coffin for that second game. What are, uh, what are your thoughts on their big performances? Well, it's exciting to, to know that at least occasionally Denver will have some bench talent that will uh, show out in some big games and potentially give the Nuggets a boost when their regular rotation isn't necessarily performing up to snuff. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing which of those two guys kind of fills in that last spot in the rotation. I think I'd with everybody healthy, I'd see uh, Monty Morris uh, assuming we'll just for a second that Isaiah Thomas isn't healthy. Uh, I, uh, Monty Morris, Torrey Craig, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumley. I think those guys are all pretty much penciled into the rotation at this point, but there's a fifth spot open right now, and I I think that Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez are currently fighting for it. And, and in my opinion, whoever kind of shoots better, whoever performs defensively better, I think one of those two guys is going to win that permanent rotation spot so regardless of who wins i think it's definitely encouraging to see both guys performing well yeah definitely absolutely i think you're absolutely right there it you know we it's always it's so impossible to tell how many guys coach moon's going to go with in his rotation because he changes it fairly fairly often about maybe once every two months or so uh at least last season i remember there was one point we were they were up playing like 11 uh, then they were playing like seven. And finally, you kind of found that happy medium around nine or ten. So you kind of feel like that's where he'll be. And whether he plays nine or whether he plays ten really is just going to be a matter of whether or not he trusts the tenth guy uh, out there on the court. It's I don't think at any point in his in his tenure with, with the Nuggets or is when Wancho and Malik have been here specifically, I don't think Coach has ever been like, ah, you know, these guys are really good, but I just uh, can't find minutes for him. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's been a matter of he and, – and he said this, that, you know, specifically with Malik, it's a matter of him showing consistency and being day in, day out that kind of – playing within himself player uh, that, that we've seen Malik do in this preseason, frankly. He talked about that last night after the game uh, against Perth is, is uh, how much he's just kind of, you know, he, he's just trying to stay within himself, play defense, and, and shoot consistently. And if he can do that, then I think Coach goes to a 10-man rotation regardless and finds uh, finds minutes for him or for Wancho it's because it's the same story for Wancho if he could do the same thing uh right now I'd probably though say I'd probably say Malik is is kind of in the uh leader in the clubhouse wouldn't you I mean he's Wancho had that big first game but then he's kind of been so so since then whereas Malik has been like I mean he's been consistent three games in a row yeah, for Wancho, I wouldn't even put it at so-so. I would definitely say he's he's been subpar in the other two games. While Malik has, I mean, what what more can you say about his shooting performances at this point? They're consistent across the board. Uh, I would definitely say he's the leader in the clubhouse for sure. Uh, he provides a little bit more athleticism and speed on the perimeter, and he kind of matches up as as maybe a a third guard in a backcourt. Uh, off the bench a little bit better than Wancho who operates more as a forward off the bench and and maybe even more of a power forward at that uh it'll be interesting to see who wins it uh 
I'm definitely thinking that Malik's in the driver's seat, though, as you said. Uh, it it would be big for the Nuggets this season if they had a 10th guy step up. And, and even if that ninth and 10th guy, I'd say Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley, like we're looking at Gary Harris and Will Barton as probably the two primary minutes leaders on this team right now, even ahead right. of Nikola Jokic simply because there aren't great backups behind them. I know that we'll talk about Mason Plumley in just a little bit, but if if Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley don't really step up, and to a lesser extent Wancho, uh, we're looking at Gary Harris and Will Barton being heavily relied on for uh, heavy minutes. It's And that's not a great recipe for success if this team wants to go very far. Right, yeah. No, I agree 100%. I mean, Will left... Will left... Will led the the team in minutes last season. I don't think there's any reason to believe that he won't do that again this season. And uh, Gary Harris is is a guy that you're right. If, if they don't get something out of out of those two guys, out of Craig and Beasley, then then they're gonna have to lean on Gary Harris because he's you know Tory Craig provides so much in terms of perimeter defense off your bench and and I mean he's he's basically they're molding him into becoming Gary Harris light is exactly what they. Uh, they want Tory Craig to do so. If he, if he doesn't, if he can't do that effectively, if he can't, obviously he's not going to ever be as good as Gary. I shouldn't say ever. There's always that possibility, but uh, he's obviously not as good as Gary right now. And so you would, you know, if 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 you can just get him though good enough to the point where he can do some of the same things that Gary can do at a at a consistent level, close to what Gary can do, then then that's that's what you need out of him and if you don't get it there's no you're absolutely right right and there's no i mean there's nobody else to turn to uh especially if malik's not playing well either because th- that's it those are your only really two guards um and even then i mean they're they're especially tory is going to be more of a combo uh a combo wing you with only those two guys if they can't do it there's nobody else to turn to for them the, the nuggets have i mean i then you're stretching into guys like Devon Akun Purcell, right? Then then you're hoping you have another Tory Craig kind of scenario, which that kind of seems like they almost caught lightning in a bottle there. So I don't think they should rely on that. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think though through two games. I mean, and Tory he's been he's been he's been up and down. He's been fine. He's been he's been solid on on D. His shot really hasn't been falling. Uh, and we'd heard so much uh, in media day specifically. Uh, both those Coach Malone and. And Tim Connolly talked quite a bit about Torrey Craig and his shot and how much it improved. So you have to think that's going to come back. I'm not. I'm not too worried about either of those guys, um, especially with Malik showing. And so you're right. Is if you can get if you can get what we're seeing in this preseason out of Malik, if you can get that in the regular season, then that's a big boost. That's a big boost for the team. Another big boost, as you kind of quickly mentioned, there was uh, Mason Plumley. I think you know specifically in that second game, it was it was kind of funny. I was talking with my boss uh, at the at the what I do actually do for, to make money in this world, but um, he he was he was asking me about the Nuggets game, and you know he was like, oh, so they they win, and he was talking talking about the second game. He was like. Uh, did they actually win that game? And I was like, yeah, they did. And I was like, well, it doesn't really count. I said, because, you know, it was kind of in the, they were down by 18 in the third quarter and then they came back and it, uh, because all the, all the backups were in and it basically suddenly it looked like Mason Plumley was back at Duke and, you know, <laughs> just dominating some poor division two get team in a preseason, uh, in a preseason college basketball game. But the thing that I thought was really nice to see just about Mason, and, and I think we've seen so far through this this preseason as well, is, is he looks healthy, right? He looks like he's back up to full speed. Um, 
with that in mind, Ryan, I mean, and with how he's been playing, how do the Nuggets find time for Mason uh, along with, of course, finding enough minutes for Nikola? You know, it's it's going to be interesting, especially with Trey Lyles really exceeding expectations at this point and, and right. Paul Millsap being as a, as a heavy minutes guy at the four anyway. I don't know if they have a massive need to to increase his minutes load at all. I think the ideal role for Mason on this team at this point is to sit in that 15 to 20 minute per game range based off of how well the starters are performing, based off of the matchups with opposing teams. Uh, if Paul Millsap gets ejected like he did uh, yesterday <laughs> against Perth, then then he can definitely slide up a position and, and, and work with Jokic that way. But at this point, I don't, I don't think the 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 thing with Mason Plumlee that that maximizes his ability is if he can go 15 to 20 minutes and play extremely hard, set as many screens as possible, roll to the rim and get above the rim on on lob attempts and and that's that's where he's most uh most effective. If he has to conserve energy and kind of weather the storm throughout the game then that's where you start running into some more problems where his his athleticism just isn't maximized as much and he's in great shape don't get me wrong but when you're talking about a guy with his skill set who's a very high energy high effort guy you want to maximize that skill set as much as possible by limiting their minutes in my opinion similar to a Kenneth Fareed type so I would keep Mason's minutes at at around where he is right now, maybe increase it or decrease it and fluctuate at just as he's playing well or not well. If he keeps playing well, then hey, you you continue increasing. And if he if he's one of those high plus minus guys, then then you get him on the floor more. But if that's not what happens, then then I think you're I think you're sitting right at the fifteen to twenty minute mark nightly. Yeah, that's um I think that's probably ideal spot for him. It's just interesting thing, of course, is, is is the other dilemma of playing Mason and Jokic together. It's almost, if Mason continues to play well, that it almost forces your hand there because you know you want to give Jokic probably around 35 minutes a game, you would think. Uh, now, whether or not Jokic physically is, is going to be able to handle that load, we'll see, especially over a full season. The Nuggets have never asked him to play that many minutes before, but that's, you talk about a guy who's your star player, he should be playing around 35 minutes a game. Then... There's only 13 minutes left at the center spot in the rest of the game, right? So that's where that almost forces your hand to be like, okay, we're gonna have to play, we're gonna have to play Mason and and Nicola next to each other, even if it's just for one shift. Uh, it, it's gonna have to happen. I, I know, Brent. I mean, I don't know where quite where you stand on that that whole thing. I think there's there's potential there still. I think, I think uh, the the problems last year were 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 related a lot to. Uh, just Jokic kind of not not wanting to be assertive when Mason was in there because Mason kind of had to occupy uh, the the space where where Jokic would normally like to operate. I think th- there's maybe an adjustment the Nuggets have to do and do work on some other things. You know, maybe some uh, some DHOs and stuff like that that are that are away from the lane that but Jokic still excels at um, and try and. And try and work that that pairing together. And then the other thing is you brought, you brought up is is you know Kenneth Fareed. He actually was a guy. I mean, when you think about him, him his skill set 
not all that different from Mace's. I'd, I'd almost say, you know, obviously, I think Mace actually has has the better skill set, but he he has those same kind of skills, like you mentioned, as as, as Kenneth Fareed does. Fareed played really, really well with the with uh, um, Jokic because he he had he had the ability to at least pull the defense out you know, 15 feet away from the cup. He had that, that mid-range jumper that they at least had to respect, and that, that kind of gave him some of that, that short short gra- ball gravity, I guess I think is what, that might be like an Adam Mata's term. Um, Mace has got to do that. He's And maybe he's got to work with Mark Price or whatever he's got to do. He's got to develop a mid-range jumper. Not, not Nothing too, too crazy, but he's got to develop something that he can at least hit at around a 40-45% clip so that the defense at least has to somewhat respect it and can't just simply collapse down in the lane uh, like they do right now. What I mean, Ryan, do you think, am I crazy or or can they make Jokic plumly work? No, I, I actually disagree with you there. I, I don't think that Mace's role needs to involve spacing from a mid-range jumper just that's just my opinion he what he needs to do is maximize the athleticism that he has uh by by using his agility and using his ability to get into the lane really quickly while still being outside of it when the defense sees him uh what what kenneth reed really did well was he baited the defense with his positioning into leaving Farid, and then Farid would immediately crash the offensive glass or receive a dump off or jump into the middle of the lane at the right time. What Mason is really struggling with right now, in my opinion, is finding that right balance of of jumping into the middle of the lane versus getting out of the way. A lot of the times you'll see, especially on the bench unit, where Mason's really... Uh, he really kind of tries to assert himself as, as a focal point is he'll use a duck in and he's 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 at the short corner and instead of kind of taking his time uh, letting the offense develop and then receiving a dump off pass if, if he's open he'll duck into the middle of the lane I don't necessarily agree with that because it clogs up the lane and, and prevents the rest of the team from driving so when he's on the floor with Jokic when he's on the floor with other starters like Will Barton and Jamal Murray and guys that like to get to the rim if they can uh, the best thing to do is just free up that lane and then if his man rotates to try and block a block an offensive player then following that player receiving a dump off pass receiving an alley-oop and throwing it down reverse because that's just what he does and that's that's what he's really proven that it's it's an elite offensive play and it's elite offensive weapon to have in in Denver's landscape because they don't have a guy that can really go up above the rim like unlike Mace so it's a uh, I don't know if it's necessary for him to have a mid-range jumper because, I mean, as we've seen analytically, that's not necessarily the best shot in the game to have. And if if the team is if he's settling for mid-range jumpers at around a a forty percent clip, then that's still an eighty offensive rating when he gets it. So it's uh that's not a great number, and I would definitely advise for him to continue dunking as much as possible, uh, cut out the shots from three to ten feet, and 
especially when you're with Jokic, just maximize the gifts that you have and play above the rim. Fair enough. That was a uh, that was a solid argument for for not making Mason Plumlee learn how to shoot a basketball. It's uh, you well, are. It's, it's 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 just the problem is that we're we're trying to turn him into a free throw shooter at this point, and and through three games, like he had he had a great first performance, but his last two games have not been stellar at all. If he can't get above sixty percent from the th- from the free throw line, then why are we expecting him to shoot above forty percent from mid range? Like, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem like the best use of his talents, in my opinion. That's fair. That is a good uh, that is a good point. I uh, I just think basketball players should be able to shoot a basketball, Ryan. That's all I'm saying. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, all right. So we already spent fifteen minutes talking about these two Lakers games, and we have not even mentioned. LeBron James, of course, in his first two in his first two Who? games, uh, yeah, right. What? No. Um. So obviously, we, anybody who listens to the show knows I don't like talking about the Lakers, but um, we'll do it. We'll do it here for just a, a moment. So LeBron, obviously, his first two games, he uh, in, in a Laker uniform, he he played. I don't know, maybe about like what twenty minutes a game in each of them. Um. What were your, I mean, what, what were your impressions so far? I, I guess when you look at the, the, the thing I want to get to here, Ryan, is now when you look at this team, now we've seen them with LeBron for two games, and a couple more actually because of what they played Sacramento last night. Do they look like a team who can challenge for the playoffs in the Western Conference? Well, they look like a team that can challenge, but I don't, I don't see them necessarily going anywhere once they do. Uh it's 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 going to be a real issue for them for 82 games to to maximize that big man position. Right now they have JaVale McGee playing the five and Kyle Kuzma playing the backup five and with their regular rotation. And that's just not a recipe for success against uh, against the teams that when like like Denver, for example, Denver stayed big against them, won both games, and and really proved that if they go to Nikola Jokic consistently, then there's nobody on the Lakers that can actually defend them. Uh, and teams like Minnesota, even with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, you'll have Rudy Gobert uh, playing above the rim against them, Memphis against Utah, Memphis with Marcus All, Stephen Adams in OKC. Uh, there are a lot of great centers in the Western Conference right now, and I just don't see the Lakers lasting 82 games against them. Uh, they may they may make the playoffs off the back of LeBron James and, and just being able to play as fast as possible, but their ceiling beyond that is really low. And anybody who right. tells you that their ceiling is a three seed is delusional, in my opinion, because like if at least with this personnel, because they just do not have the horses to compete with some of these teams and to compete with them for 82 games, in my opinion. Right. I mean, so a three seed ceiling for the Lakers, I think that's if they, I mean, if they roll Yahtzee, I guess, and, and Lonzo Ball comes out and, and looks like a, looks like an all-star and Brandon Ingram uh, is, is winning most improved player of the year award. And, uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma is, 
becoming a, an, a 20 point per game score off the bench and is there their sixth man of the year candidate and LeBron James is winning an MVP and JaVale McGee is giving them a good strong 20 or so minutes every night and it's and it's working and you know I mean you have to stack up so many different things that have to go right for them in order for them for that to be sort of a feasible scenario and, and, and so it just doesn't I wouldn't I mean I guess in yeah I mean in their ceiling is the three seed in the sense that my my ceiling for income this year is winning the lottery but uh, this is probably, probably should not plan on such a thing you know and so i yeah, i know I, I don't my my biggest issue right now is like when you when you talk about running out javel mcgee the the golden state warriors ran out javel mcgee zaza pachulia jordan bell guys like that even kevon looney and 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 players like that but the reason they could do that is they had two mvps on their roster the defensive mm-hmm. player of the year who just happens to be a, a, a freaking like wild card on on offense with with his passing and his rebounding and then the second best shooter of all time on top of that like there's a reason why they were able to continue to be awesome with a terrible center but the lakers have one mvp and then they have a a, sh- a point guard right now who shot 35% from the field in Lonzo Ball and they have Brandon Ingram who's well I mean he's I guess he's kind of like Kevin Durant in the sense that he's long and lanky but other than that like that that comparison right. really dries up so you're talking about two very very different teams in my opinion and and the Lakers just don't have the the backups to to really make that work like they were running Michael Beasley at the five too and like right. that just doesn't make sense to me it was very interesting you know what doesn't make sense to me is why they're not playing Zubots because I think he actually is I mean he's looked for for a backup center he he looks perfectly fine I mean he looks like he could handle that in a position well he's been giving them some uh them some per, rim protection over these past few games I, I I'm, I'm kind of got a soft spot for Zubots in general can I wish the I wish he'd come be on the Nuggets but uh I thought I thought he's he's looked well for them, and it's it's interesting that you know because like you said they don't have a ton in the way of I mean because what else I mean who else are they going to go with Moritz Wagner or um, I can't even remember who the other center is that's on that roster. He's I remember no nobody nobody too impressive. That's it. All right, there well, it is. That's, that's that's really it. Like it's it's Javale McGee. It's it's if he's a Zubac, it's Moritz Wagner, and and that's it. And Wagner's um. I believe he's hurt still with a, some sort of knee yeah, injury. Yeah, he's, so. he's, he's got some sort of knee contusion that he's had since summer league. Like, this team does not have a, a good option at center. And, like, their best option at center is probably LeBron James, in all honesty. What? But if you're, if you're asking LeBron to play 82 games as the nominal five, then then you're asking for trouble. And you're asking him for to opt out for a trade. <laughs> or or right. you'll be trading like Lonzo Ball for a five at some point, and that's just not something that they're going to want to do. But lots of stresses there. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see. I do I do think they're. I mean, obviously LeBron was, still looks fantastic, uh, so they're gonna <coughs> they're gonna have some success just because of that. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't know that it's um, that it's something that's that's. I I think they'll they, they, like you said they'll they'll challenge for the playoffs whether or not they make it. I mean that'll just depend on on health of them themselves and some other teams and and kind of how some things shake out that way we maybe aren't thinking about right now but definitely not a not a three seed. All right, I want let's I want to move on to the game last night uh, against Perth, which that it, 
they win, but they lose, right? Like it, it, it you, you, you beat the Perth Wildcats. There was a time in the third quarter you were up by one point. I mean, like that game was far, far too close than it should ever have been. Especially considering that team just got beat by like what, like fifty points against the Utah Jazz. Uh, that that's what you're supposed to do against the Perth Wildcats, and that's no knock on the Perth Wildcats. It's just the one team is in the NBL and one team is in the NBA, and there's a difference. Uh, and and last night, at least in my opinion, uh, the starters. They didn't look like they 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 uh, were wanting to make that difference an actual thing. They seemed to be like, ah, NBL, okay, we'll play at an NBL level. And it was, to me, it was it was very blatant that the starters just they knew who they were playing, and so they played the game like that. And and while it's a preseason game, and it was the Perth Wildcats, so whatever, it's indicative, I think, of of a a bigger issue with that group, which is. They, last year, and they, they they themselves talked about this at Media Day. Last year, they played down to their competition. They they said, you know, we didn't have a problem with the the teams who were in the playoffs and, and playing those guys. We had a problem against the teams who were in the lottery who we just didn't come out and take care of business. You had You saw that last night against a team that had no business even being on the same court as them. And they basically got outplayed by it by the other team starters. So I mean, I, Ryan, what do you think? Is is this something to be concerned about with this this starting group that they're still maybe they 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 haven't quite grown up yet and they're still going to be playing down to their competition? Well, I I definitely think you you said that they might their starters might have gotten outplayed, but but the Nuggets starters definitely were outplayed. Uh, Paul Millsap was a plus one, Nikola Jokic minus one, Jamal Murray minus two, Will Barton minus four, Gary Harris minus one. Like that's, it's, it's a really discouraging uh, game last night from, from the fact that like this, this starting unit was supposed to, is, is supposed to, cause it's, it's not like they haven't, but this, like, we have to, obviously put this in perspective that it's it's still a game against Perth that does not count uh right but there was very little urgency there was very little desire to get up and down the floor and 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 make the most of everything that was going on and and I want to I think it all starts with Jokic uh Nikola Jokic needs to be the leader on this team uh whether he wants to or not uh, there's there's a lot of expectations on his shoulders, and for the third time in the preseason, he has not led the Nuggets in shot attempts. Uh, right. In my opinion, that's that's a big after after playing against Javale McGee and Kyle Kuzma in the first two games, and then the Perth Wildcats tonight. That's my biggest concern, and we'll definitely talk about that more. But this team will feed off of Jokic being good. Because Jokic has to be good, and so far he has not been a top twenty player, in my opinion. And you can just go through last last night's stat line to go th- to prove it: three points, one of five shooting in twenty two minutes, three assists, three turnovers. He had seven rebounds, which is good. Uh, two steals, which is good. Four personal fouls, which is not good. There was a lot of and and oh, and by the way, he went one of four from the free throw line. Some of that may be his finger, but in my opinion, it all comes down to he has to be a leader, 
and the Nuggets right. will follow his example. He's clearly the best player, and he did not play like it yesterday. Right. No, and you know what? I you uh, I thought you brought up the I think the most interesting stat or the most telltale stat or the most concerning stat from the ones you brought up is the four personal fouls because it was like throwback Jokic to bad Jokic, right? There was a lot of it. There were silly fouls uh, in that group of four and, and frustration fouls, frustration with the refs. And, you know, maybe maybe that was somewhat warranted. I they, There were some inexperienced refs out there. The, we know the Perth Wildcats are a physical team, comes from a physical league. They're not going to – clearly they're not going to out, uh, out-athletic out or out – I don't even know how to say this word, but out-athleticize out or whatever you want to say. They're not more athletic. Jump uh, yeah, they're not going to out-jump the Nuggets. They're not going to out-fundamental the Nuggets. They only got one option, which is they're going to have to beat up the Nuggets. Uh, the, you had to know that going in. That was the way they were going to play. And and, and Jokic, just, he let it work. He, he, they absolutely got to him. They got him frustrated. He made those silly fouls that you had plagued uh, him in his career early on. And and it be ended up being uh, a game where they kind of they neutralized him, not by really anything they did physically on the court, other than the fact that they were physical. But it was they neutralized him mentally by getting under his skin. And that, as you say, he's got to be the leader of the team. If if the if he start if they start getting under his skin, they're gonna start to get under everyone's skin because his teammates are gonna see that he's starting to get frustrated, and then that's gonna make the rest of them. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to maybe either be frustrated or they're going to be, they're going to be concerned or whatever it is. They're going to start playing tighter. You know, they, you can't have that. You, you gotta have your best player remain calm and cool. And especially in a situation when you, you had to know going in that this was exactly what was going to happen. But like you guys or like, like we said, it is, um, it is just one game. And then, you know what, there is his one the one basket that he had yesterday was a fluke basket too. Like if, if you remember, it was on a, a after Perth had rebounded the basketball, Will Barton came up with a steal, passed it to Jokic, and he laid it up with his left hand, not his right hand, by the way. I'm, he was on the left side of the basket, so I mean whatever. But uh, he's he's having trouble using that right hand with with the finger issue that that he's been dealing with since media day. Uh, that's that's a concern. Uh, 0 for 4 in, in basically half court and other non-fluke settings and he's just not getting down to the to the block like he like he has in in his last couple of years it's it's a really discouraging factor because that's where he needs to operate at the top of the key and at the the right block in my opinion and those are the two spots where he's really going to maximize his impact on the game because Denver's offense, he's he's the fulcrum. He everybody cuts around him, and right. Perth didn't have a guy to defend him yesterday. He just let them kind of go at him, and he he kind of took himself out of the game. So that can't happen. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to for the next couple of games and and going into the regular the season regular season. Can he take shots? If he doesn't take shots, then the Nuggets are going to lose. Right, that's as simple as that. Um, all right, tell you what, there were some, <coughs> man, uh, there were some some good things oh. that happened. Right, Ryan is getting me sick through the uh, through the phone here. <laughs> um, 
there were some good things that happened in that Perth game. And I want to talk about that before we move on from it. So what we will do is we will go ahead, we'll hit a break right now. And then when we come back, I want to talk about the positives from the game uh, and one player in particular. So stick around and we'll be right back. been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest that's when disaster strikes the last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business maybe your light suddenly won't turn on or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling heck maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new ac unit whatever your need may be give sun electrical a call They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach Nikosh, Ryan Blackburn, we're from DenverStiffs.com. We spent the first half of our show talking about the Nuggets' first two games against the Los Angeles Lakers. And then we kind of got into the bad side of, of a win, uh, ironically enough, but a win against the Perth Wildcats and where the Nuggets, uh, for large portions, looked uninspired. They, uh, they of course, do get the victory. They'll be on the backs of their of their bench and and i think the guy on on the bench who looked uh looked the best last night was was monty morris right that was um that was probably the best we've ever seen him play now again you consider who he was playing against but nine assists two turnovers i mean he and just the way he ran the offense just the way he handled the offense it it, it is, and it's one of the things we, we talked about Mason Plumlee earlier. I think it's one of the reasons also that we, you know, obviously Mason's healthy and that's a big portion of it right now. But I think another big reason Mason Plumlee is looking so good uh, as well is because he's playing with a real point guard for the first time. I mean, and since really forever, because even when the Nuggets had Jameer Nelson, if you think about it, Jameer started pretty much for the mo- big, most portion of his his career here in Denver. So, I mean, especially even by the time Mace got here. So I don't know that in Mason's time in Denver, he's ever actually played with a point guard like Monty Morris. You probably have to go back to when he was in Portland and playing with Damian Lillard. Last time he was playing uh, with more of a, a a guy who actually could run the offense. Because, you know, I mean, let's be honest, for the most part, if you were playing on the bench with the Nuggets, you were either Will Barton was playing point guard 
uh, or or it was Emmanuel Moutier. Neither one of those guys is is uh, particularly good at, at running an offense. They can both be uh, they can both be effective one on one guys, but neither one of them uh, for for differing reasons was was really able to maximize what Mace did. Monty does that. He's I, I mean Trey Lyles is looking really good, right? If you think about it, uh, Tory Craig has has had lots of open looks. Wancho we talked about has had a good game. Malik Beasley has been knocking down everything. Right? I mean how much of this is how much of all that bench improvement is actually because they're playing with Monty Morris? I think a lot of it and, and as you see from the plus minus last night, Monty Morris led the team in plus minus with a plus seventeen. Uh, in his 26 minutes, and, and that's really encouraging. When when you see that number, you see what he's doing with his assists and his facilitation. He's being efficient. Uh, it's, it's a really encouraging stat, in my opinion. Uh, his effect on the game has, has just been massive. When, when you can give the ball to him and he knows what to do with it, the two turnovers are encouraging. He's has kept the turnovers down throughout the preseason, and he's given the Nuggets a lot to be excited about. In despite the fact that Isaiah Thomas is going to be out for the foreseeable future, uh, I'm really looking forward to what Monty Morris does. And it, he's not going to be Damian Lillard for for Mason Plumlee, but he is going to be a decent facilitator, even even an above average facilitator in the NBA. Uh, as as the nine assists and two turnovers last night can see, he he just makes the right decision. He maximizes what he can do, and really from a backup point guard, that's all you can ask for. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's you. <laughs> again, what the Nuggets have been missing um, is you you want a guy that when when he comes in and he's he's off your bench and he, he's supposed to be running your bench unit, just you know take care of the basketball. Don't don't take. Uh, poor shots you know don't you don't get good looks if you hit him you hit him if you miss him you miss him play good defense and 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 you'll be fine that's all they want well when you had a guy like Emmanuel Moutier uh you had a guy who who didn't take care of the basketball that was his primary uh reason it wasn't it wasn't a great defender though either so you really had a guy who just didn't wasn't giving them what they needed out of that backup point guard position and, and in Will Barton's case just a, a guy who didn't, when he was put into that role, didn't create very good looks for himself or for others. He he kind of got caught into a situation where you know he was uh, clearly the 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 threat on offense, and the uh, opposition knew that, and they were going to force him to to try and make make a play for someone else. And Will Will's not very good at that, and so then it was, you know, we got bad Will Barton, the part that nobody likes. So. Having that guy in Monty, who I mean, that that's exactly what he does. That's that's how he's built is just kind of being this this consistent, you know, doesn't try and try and do too much, but makes sure above all else takes care of the basketball. If he can do that, and again, we we do have to take into account. Yes, he had nine nine assists, two turnovers. He looked great. We do have to take into account that it was against uh, an, an NBL team. I mean, we've seen Monty Morris. He did very well in the G League last year, so we know. We know at that level he can play, but it's though he had the big night against Perth, he played very well against the Lakers in both games as well. I mean, he has been consistently now through three games a guy who has looked like yes, he can play rotation minutes. Brian, do you let's let's throw this out there? Let's say that Monty Morris plays and he plays very well. Do you have any concern that when Isaiah Thomas comes back, they would have uh, difficulty finding both of those guys' minutes? <laughs> 
No, because and and well, I I would have a minor concern because uh, Michael Malone will prioritize defense in all likelihood uh, over over getting Monty Morris minutes. But what I would do with both of them is if is if Monty Morris is your best backup guard outside of Isaiah Thomas when he comes back, if he's better than than either Torrey Craig or Malik Beasley, then I think you go with a two point guard bench. Uh, simply because you want as many guys who can find Trey Lyles, find Mason Plumley, find Malik Beasley, find Torrey Craig in the offense as you can. Uh, Morris has, has proven that his outside shot is at least reliable enough to to say, hey, look, I can I can take this shot and I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, and I'm not going to worry about necessarily being an inefficient scorer from out there in the second game of his of the preseason i let me pull it up right now uh where oh yeah he's he started that game and he was two of five from the three-point line not necessarily elite but but that's 40 percent. that's gonna that's gonna do it that's gonna be good enough so i think that with isaiah thomas he can function as as more of a scorer uh, Monty Morris can function as a facilitator, and and you're you're talking about a lot of dynamic lineups. Given that Denver has a lot of combo guards in their starting lineup, if they have two point guards off the bench, it it leads to some some creative lineups that they could create uh, from a from a mix and match standpoint, where you can you can play Monty Morris with the starters, or play Isaiah Thomas and play Gary Harris with the bench, or Lineups like that, where you can just get really creative and have as many offensive weapons on the floor as possible. Right. Yeah. It's. I think. Yeah. I think you're 100 right. I think you. If he if he continues to play like this, you have to find him minutes one way or another, just because he's he's shown that he can be effective. And you're right. I mean, if you've got what you want to have as many guys with the ball in their hands, especially on your bench, that that can there are guys that can be effective with the ball in their hands and and be effective for others. And, and we know, we also know, look, not everybody's going to stay healthy. I mean, Isaiah Thomas might get healthy, but what if Jamal Murray, uh, I mean, Jamal Murray's kind of an Iron Man, but, uh, you know, what if he, he has to go down for a few games or something? Or what if Gary Harris gets nicked up or, or Malik or Torrey? I mean, there's going to be uh, injuries that come along. So even just having, knowing you have Monty in your back pocket, I mean, it's a, it's a big bonus for the Nuggets. Uh, going into the season, and something that I, that I think they, as long as he continues to play this way, they'll find a way um, to keep him involved. All right, so we have. <clears throat> let's. Let, I want to. I want to spend the last segment of the show. Let's go ahead and look forward towards uh, what we've got coming up this week. We've got, the, of course, the final two games uh, against the Los Angeles Clippers and the Chicago Bulls. Ryan, the Nuggets, of course, could run the table, beat both the Clippers and the Bulls, and go undefeated. Would you take? Anything in? Uh, would you read in anything into that? Would you? Would you take anything away from from uh, winning all their preseason games, or is it just exhibition games? Doesn't matter. Well, I, on on one hand, you want to say no, uh, just because it, again, like you said, preseason doesn't matter for the regular season. And but what I would say uh, as a minor takeaway from that is that the bench usually for Denver is a is a negative. Usually when the starters come out, usually when Nikola Jokic comes out, uh, the bench is what kind of brings that lead that Denver accumulates back to even or actually puts them at a disadvantage in most games. Uh, If that's not exactly what's happening in the preseason, the bench is getting the most run at this point. The starters are, are 
definitely getting minutes, but the bench is having a lot of minutes accumulate, and they're consistently performing at a plus-minus of the at a positive plus-minus against the Lakers, against Perth. The Clippers are a different story. They're a much more competent bench uh, with a lot more competent players. Where you'll see Montrezl Harrell, Boban Marjanovic. Uh, they have Shea Gilgis Alexander running their bench, and Lou Williams, of course. Like, how could you forget him? Uh, they have a lot of guys who would definitely impact the bench. And, and in Chicago, too, they have Bobby Portis. They'll have Denzel Valentine in all likelihood. Lots of Wendell Carter. Uh, lots of talented players there. So if Denver continues to perform well in these next two preseason games, I'll have a lot more confidence in, in running the bench lineup in the regular season. That's not something I would have expected Michael Malone to do unless the bench proved that, that he could do that. Right. Yeah. That's, um, I think you're spot on there. It's, well, I'll say this. Uh, if, if, <clears throat> if the bench continues to have to, to take, uh, take the reins. And if we see that in the next two games, we see these starters tend to struggle and the bench come bring them back. I mean, it, it's good because like you said, you'll see, uh, uh, a bench unit that maybe the Nuggets can lean on and and can actually actually t- try to get ahead of opponents and and or come back on opponents with, whereas up until this point the their entire uh, at least through pretty much the entire Michael Malone is or at least certainly through the entire Nikola Jokic era is. When they go to that bench unit, I mean, they just fall apart, right? They've they've been last year, especially they were they were awful when 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 they had to go to the bench, and a lot of that had to do with Will Barton playing forty one games as a starter uh, and not having him coming off your bench. That's of course now that's a full time thing now. So if the if if you can simultaneously make Will Barton a starter and still also make improve the bench to the point where they're a, a strength instead of a weakness. That's that's huge for the Nuggets. On the other hand, if that's how they win these next two games, then you kind of get our concern because you're looking at the starting group who now two games in a row, uh, that second game against the Lakers and against now against Perth, they have been pretty poor in their performance. And so if they, if that continues, well now you're going into uh, into the opening uh, opening night and you're kind of got some questions around. Hey, how yeah, how is the starting unit gelling? Are they going to be actually able to figure this thing out, or are we going to have some early bumps? Because for whatever reason, these guys don't seem to be uh, be able to be play playing that well. I, I coach coach brought it up last night. You know, against um, against the the or at, in the post game conference after Perth was is yeah, T J McBride actually asked him this question when he asked him, you know, hey, did you uh, do you think this game is a wake up call? Or your starters and coach said, "Man, I've been woken up since April 11th, which, if, of course, if you guys remember, that's that's the that's the game day that the Nuggets were eliminated, uh, and so and then that was it. And so that was all he said. Um, if, the, if these guys can't get get it going, you know, then I don't know. That would be the biggest concern for me is if if these guys." come into this season and they're still having these bumps because they're not, you know, they're not taking the game seriously enough or they're not coming out with energy, whatever you want to call it, whatever we want to say the reason for that is if they are still doing that same thing that we saw all last year, then man, it's, I mean, it's concerning because that's really, in my opinion, the only thing that's holding them back. Well, my, I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes on that a little bit. I think we've been very negative uh, up to this point just because it's a little bit fresh in our minds 
but the Nuggets just played against the Perth Wildcats. They didn't play against the Golden State Warriors or the or even the Atlanta Hawks. They they played against the Perth Wildcats and they they will lose that game against Atlanta if if they if they perform in that regard. But I don't think that we can like we we can definitely use it as a cause for concern but we cannot blame them until they're actually losing those games if they do ever lose those games those types of games uh have to give them the benefit of the doubt in my opinion uh the starters were bad and i think the starters will be the first to tell you that the starters were bad in my opinion they they that's not the expectation that they have going into the year uh when when your Jokic is taking five shots total and and Millsap has been as inefficient as I have ever seen him, uh, that's those are those are definitely causes for concern. But this was against Perth. Uh, the Nuggets are are hungry. Uh, Jamal Murray is hungry. Gary Harris is hungry. Nikola Jokic is is hungry. In my opinion, uh, everything that we've heard, everything that Denver has projected is that this has been a really good offseason and this has been a really good media day training camp first couple of preseason games this is the first bump in the road man they'll they'll have bumps in the road throughout the season and it's it's how they respond to it that really matters like they'll they'll have that random game against atlanta where where they suck and and things just go horribly wrong you know who also has that the golden state warriors that's right when they play the nuggets <laughs> I like to think of our, of of the Nuggets a little bit in the higher regard than Atlanta at the moment, but in, in my opinion, like two years ago, like, though, the when they are... when they got ran out of the gym, when you think about that, yeah, that no, it's, it's it it is it's exactly the same thing. Uh, the Nuggets are they're going to be fine. Uh, don't don't use a game against the Perth Wildcats as a as a forecasting for for what the Nuggets are going to do over an 82 game regular season. The the, the starters have <clears throat> played like basically 20 minutes together and that that's it. Uh and until until they play more time and and show ex- just exactly what they have, then I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Last year this lineup was awesome and I think that they're right. going to be awesome. They just need to get back into the right mind frame. All right. Um <clears throat> Real quick, ranks. We're, we're getting a little bit tight on time. Um, give me wh- what player are you looking for? Is still, still, which player has the most approved still left with these last two games? Which player is the most approved? Uh, honestly, I'm going to say Paul Millsap, and and right. people are going to be surprised because that's a 33 year old veteran. That's somebody who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be the first guy to to have to prove something, but but thus far he has not performed well. Uh, he has he has been really bad. Uh, he went one for five in the in the game on September thirtieth against the Lakers. One for five in the next game. Two for seven in this past game, and then got ejected because he was getting frustrated. Uh, that's an issue. That the Nuggets cannot have that this year. They they need to be able to rely on Millsap for thirty minutes a night of excellent defense and then being an efficient fifth option. They cannot have him be one for, they cannot have those one for five nights often. They can come occasionally, especially when Murray and Harrison Barton and Jokic are putting up 80 combined points, 
but I don't know, man. That's this is this could be a sign of decline. Uh, it could also be a sign of hey, we're taking the preseason too seriously. So I'll be looking forward to seeing if he turns it around in the next couple of games. I don't expect the starters to play in the last game against Chicago, but I do expect them to come out and play hard against the Clippers next week. Right, yeah. Well, and we know another thing Coach said is that he's going to try and play. Uh, he wants to see the starters haven't had a chance to play in the fourth quarter yet. Uh, they didn't do that against Perth either, so you would expect against the Clippers that the starters will actually play fairly fairly lengthy minutes. Um so that's a good one. For me, the guy, it's it's Wancho. He's, he played that first game, and he was shooting lights out. He did everything right, and you were like, man, this is... Uh, this is awesome, and then and then he hasn't he hasn't been up to snuff since. So he's got his chance. Meanwhile, Malik Beasley, of course, has been uh, very consistent across three games. So Wancho's got to got to show something in these in these last last two games to show some consistency, show that he can. You know, okay, he's had one good game, two bad games. He needs to have two good games to show it's it's probably more good than bad. That's that's I guess in in five games, that's as best as you can hope from him. But just. Just to see that that kind of consistency out of him, because you know I, I don't think what we saw on that first game against the Lakers is next necessarily an aberration. I mean, we we saw it against that. Uh, we talked a little bit about that Warriors game two years ago. We saw it then. That was really the first time we saw it or in all of his rookie season. I mean, he shot. Granted, it was a small sample size, but he shot forty percent from three. We all know that he can shoot it. He's got to be able to do that, though, uh, in in game situations, and he's got to be able to be consistent. He's got to be able to uh, play solid defense, especially given the, f- the fact that he's going to play uh, have an opportunity to play on a small forward, where he should have a, a significant size advantage and, and and wing wingspan advantage, which could help him contain uh, penetration from the perimeter. He's got to. I don't know. I mean, it, to me, I wrote about this. Uh, maybe a month or two ago about you know how this this season is 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 particularly important for Malik Beasley and Macho Hernan Gomez just because they're third year first round draft picks who have yet to be able to crack the rotation this is this is if you go back and look at it this is kind of the the make or break year for these guys and they either a end up uh, end up playing well and, and then making minutes and being a full-time player the following season and getting an extension uh, or B they don't follow the rotation and then they end up what happens to them is the same thing that happens to Emmanuel Moutier they get traded uh, and then uh, you have basically one shot with a brand new team to uh, try and make it happen and that's that's what they'll be in the same spot that Moutier is right now where he's basically got this this one season in New York uh, to show out or it's probably gonna be be tough to find uh, work in the NBA. That's where that's where I think Malik and Wancho are both at, and with Malik showing that he's been consistent and Wancho not, Wancho is gonna have to have to shore that up here in these last two games, or he could be in danger. Because as we saw last year, he if you fall into rotation, you might not get back in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Injuries will happen. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. Like I, you never want to root for an injury at this point because this Nuggets team is at full strength. They can be really good, uh, but my guess is that at some point somebody's going to get injured and somebody on the bench is going to need to step up. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one of the guys that's in the regular rotation. It could be a Wancho. It could be a even a Tyler Lydon. It could be a Devon right. Purcell. Uh, it's somebody who you're not necessarily expecting to 
to be that guy, could eventually be that guy. So with Wancho, I hope that he gets back to a 40% three-point shooting man because it is really pretty to watch. Uh, I he, he deserves an opportunity, in my opinion, to show that that is real. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we are out of time here on the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Ryan is at NBA Blackburn. Oh, yeah. Black. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always I always second guess myself on that one. And I don't know why. Um, we're also at Denver Stiffs at NBN-Radio. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Also over on Facebook, give us a follow and give us a like there. If anybody's still on Facebook, I don't even know anymore. I, man, <laughs> we've got a YouTube man, and we have a YouTube. Yes, make sure you're going and checking us out on our YouTube channel and subscribing there as well. All kinds of videos are already being posted. You guys basically get every. If you want every video of every press conference, post game, pre game. Um, Denver Stiff's YouTube channel. That's where you can find them all. So, um, also, if you guys are listening to the podcast version of this, we kindly thank you and hope you would leave us uh, a rating there and subscribe as well. All righty, Ryan. Thank you, sir, as always. Uh, absolutely. Anytime, man. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.